You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 23 January. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, we're chatting with uh, Sean Dindari at Thrive Investments. So South 32 update, they're taking production down uh, and operational update from Pan-African Resources, the little gold miner who could they're taking production probably upwards. Zach Callisto from Karoo, third quarter results. Good set of numbers. Uh, you'll be on the JSC later this morning, but they're out in the States already. Uh, Donovan Eslin, he's from uh, Colston Motor Group. Used car market. I want to get a sense of, of demand, what we, can, what we can find in that space. Is there value? Uh, what are folks buying? And, and what about the Chinese cars? Because, of course, they flooded the market uh, as new cars. Are they holding value as a, a second hand or pre-loved, as this industry likes to say? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from uh, MoneyWeb. Uh, Liorca resigns from boards of Amplats, MTN, Netcare, everybody with immediate effect. And all the companies are saying, oh, uh, sorry, we didn't quite notice. Or in some cases, we did notice, but we didn't think it was important. It is a mess. Business Day, Sea Harvest to acquire uh, TerraSan's uh, Pelagic and part of their Abalone business. Interesting deal because BE company Brimstone will no longer have majority control after the issuance of the new shares. Morning markets, US was green, S&P 0.2%, NASDAQ up a tenth of a percent. Those, of course, then new all-time highs. Uh, over in the east, it is green. Sydney's up a quarter of a percent. Tokyo up a percent. Hong Kong up 2.2%. And yo, even Tencent is green, up 3.3%. Commodities, mostly red. Gold, 2045. Brent is the green, 79.90. Platinum, 905. Palladium 939. Rand 1916. Bitcoin 39,950. Top 40 opening call. Green open expected. 440 points to the upside. That is two thirds of a percent higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting now with uh, Sean Dendera. He's from Tribe Investments. Sean, appreciate the early morning. Uh, South 32, their guidance for 2024 reduced. I always kind of like the idea of this company because it's got all those different sort of commodities that we don't usually. Yes, they've got coal, uh, but they've got copper. They've got uh, aluminium from, of course, their Richards Bay site uh, and, and the like. Your, your take on, 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 on that update. Certainly the market was disappointed. Pointed, and I suspect that was the production guidance being lowered. Morning, Simon, and thank you for having me. So, South 32 was quite interesting in that, um, as you explained, you know, they're quite diversified in terms of the commodities that they produce. In terms of production levels, there has been a bit of a mixed bag, right? So, some, mm. you know, some commodities you see that they've really increased their production, while others have really, you know, decreased. But I think, you know, what what has really affected South 32, in my opinion, would be that. You know, commodities last year really suffered a massive headwind from um, you looking at, you know, your inflation, Mm -hmm. your geopolitical risks, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, looking at South 32 with some of the operations in Mozambique and Brazil, they're suffering, you know, production issues and power disruptions, which technically will be out of their control because of the regions that they're 
they are operating in. So from that perspective, you know, with kind of the little facts that I mentioned here, you know, it's going to be quite a tough time going ahead for SAR 32, but their management thinks that, you know, if uh, commodities recover this year, we might see some upside on their growth potential there. Uh, I take your point. I mean, management, managing what they can, and then there's stuff they just can't absolutely manage at all. Pan-African resources, I, I, I said in the intro that they're the little gold miner that could. They, they, they really are. They, they, they kind of get on with their knitting, um, and they had a, a, a really strong uh, uh, update um, and, and, and looking to probably increase production guidance, which is, I mean, really good for shareholders, and, and the market really liked it. 100%. You know, Pan- Pan-African Resources is actually a company I was watching towards the end of the uh, end of last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have, from a share price perspective, you know, they have been steadily growing. From a P.E. ratio perspective, they're actually cheaper than, you know, their competitors such as Goldfield, mm-hmm. Harmony, etc. And they really have been benefiting in the rise in gold price, you know, based on the facts that I also mentioned earlier, you know, the interest rates, the risks, etc. Historically, you know, gold has been a safe haven a- asset. And for a company like Pan-African Resources, you know, that's primarily producing gold, has been really benefiting from that. Uh, they've also been expanding their operations and they're also benefiting from, you know, the weaker rand. So it's really a nice stock to watch going forward, in my opinion. A question on gold. I mean, the the, the debate around gold is, is bullish or bearish. Certainly, it's holding above two thousand. Uh, to to put you on the spot, what what's your take on 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 gold uh, looking ahead for the year? Certainly, lots of uncertainty out there, and gold should like uncertainty. So I think you know gold, due to the uncertainty now, seeing what you know all the monetary policy that will be coming through uh, starting this week, mm. it might remain flat in the short term. Uh, but if we don't see any changes, I do see that, you know, as the year goes forward, uh, gold will hold its own uh, from a price perspective. Yeah, I take your point. And, and it kind of sits here as an insurance policy so that if things go horrible, uh, then suddenly you've got some gold which could benefit. 100%. We'll leave that there. Uh, Shundidari, Tribe Investments, appreciate the early morning. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now. On the money. Chaining now with uh, Zach Callista, CEO of Carew. Uh, third quarter results in November. Uh, contract total subscriber base up 14%. Subscription revenue up 17%. Re- earnings up 35%. Zach, appreciate the early morning. Uh, let's start with the, the smaller parts of the business. Carew Logistics, you required this and rebranded it, if memory serves, towards the end of 2021. It's growing nicely. It, it, it's small in your life, but it's profitable and got some good growth. And I mean, this really is about that last mile delivery uh, which is a a strong booming space and also ties in a lot with your sort of logistics uh, expertise and your your internet of things. Uh, Good morning Simon. Yes, uh, it's growing nicely. Uh, I think you know we've got a very good leader in that business and uh, yes and we continue to invest and hopefully we'll continue the same momentum and over time it will add more and more value to the bigger business. 
we touched last time when we chatted, Kazuka, the other side of the coin there, and, and, and you've made a, a, an executive decision, not so much necessarily around the profitability, but rather you know, looking at, at, at some of the, the dealerships who are also your clients in this space to ultimately uh, cease the, the Kazuka operations. So we, we've, at this point in time, what we've done is we've stopped buying uh, uh, vehicles, the third-party vehicles, second-hand vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got inventory. Um, we've now made all the provisions in this quarter uh, for all the potential losses that we'll have in Q4. And hopefully after Q4, uh, it, it will not have a negative impact uh, on the PNL as we were scaling the business. And hopefully we are also on making our business partners, which is the OEMs mm. and the, the new car dealerships, we're making them happy. So it's one of these things that happens in any business. And we've taken the decision, and uh, I think this decision will be good for shareholders in the long term. And, and, and the, I mean, the, the, the operating lost $28 million, uh, not a significant number in, 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 in Karoo's life. Well, it is a significant number. You know, we've got a, we haven't got a sort of a millionaire sure, mindset sure. <laughs> in our business. Uh, but in that $28 million, it already includes quite a, s- a substantial amount of provisions that we bring in through. Got and uh, gotcha. hopefully without that $28 million, it means that in Q4, we're already $28 million up. Gotcha. Q, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I hear you on that, absolutely. Uh, moving more broader, R&D revenue up 15% to 50 million. You're running at about 6% of, of revenue. It goes back into R&D. Is that the sort of number that, that, that your sort of sweet spot in terms of, of, of R&D? Because, of course, in, in, in your operation, there is constant research and development. Yes, I think 6% is very fair. And... Um, we actually have grown about 15%, mm. but we have been during the last two, three quarters, uh, there's a lot more R&D staff out in the market. Uh, the market's changed substantially over the last 24 months. So we are picking up much better staff and our retention rate uh, is much better. And we're getting a lot more value out of our spending R&D. So while in monetary terms, it's not going up, uh, in terms of output, it's certainly mm. going up. And, and where does your R&D sit? I mean, is it uh, here in, 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 in Rosebank and, and, and sort of leveraging the talent and costs? So we've got uh, quite a lot of uh, talent, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of developers that have been with us well over 10 years, sitting in Johannesburg. And then we've got uh, quite a big team in Singapore and a big team in Europe. At this point in time, I would say that uh, the substantial amount of development actually happens in Singapore. Okay. Uh, the, the, something that we had chatted about, obviously, was uh, there was the pandemic, and we chatted through that, and that had all sorts of issues. And then we came out of the pandemic and walked straight into uh, supply con- con- constraints. Is, is, is those su- supply chains now operating smoothly? Are we brave enough to say it's back to normal, or, or is there still perhaps a, a, some warning signs? Yeah, I think the one thing I've learned is, you know, <laughs> it's that I'm unable to define what is normal, because even pre-COVID, things are continuously changing. Uh-huh. And um, uh, but it's certainly there's certainly more visibility in, uh, as opposed to during COVID times and just post-COVID times. Mm. There's more visibility, but what we are seeing is the lead times continue to grow. 
Okay, got you on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Southeast Asia, Europe, that, that segment, is, is that just commercial clients? And you're not doing much in the, in, in, in the sort, of, uh, sort of private space there? So it is not consumer customers, or if they are, it's one or two. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's it's not even to be considered. So for all intents and purposes, we've got no consumer customers. And all our business in Europe and in Southeast Asia is all commercial B2B business. You, you you made a point, and it was something which I hadn't thought of before in, in, in the results as I was reading them this morning. Um, credit losses, and I suppose you do get customers who are who, who default for for one or another reason. I mean, maybe the business just goes out of out of operation or something. And again, I, I take your point from earlier around the the, the millionaire mindset. But I mean, how, how significant is is credit losses in in, in cruise life? Well, it's something that we've got a lot of proprietary systems to, in collecting, uh, you know, collecting uh, the invoicing that we do, mm-hmm. our billing. And it's these continuous improvements and uh, the market continuously has changes in the banking systems, in the financial systems, uh, there's economic cycles. And, um, uh, you know, it's a continuously, we've got a lot of attention, we've got a lot of dedicated people. Uh, in, in in that space, and um, I think given all the negativity in the markets, I think we we doing quite well. We've got a very acceptable uh, um, bad debt write-off. It's uh, extremely low. Take a point on that. A, a last question: uh, AI was all the buzzword of 2023, but uh, Zach, having spoken to you over many many years, I mean AI has been it's sort of in your DNA and the core of your of, of your business for I mean pretty much I imagine from from, from day one, uh, particularly in, in in the commercial space. This is something you've been using long before the rest of us suddenly heard about it, thanks to ChatGTP. Yes, so I think um, the word AI is a you know, it's a, a bit of a hype word. <laughs> At yep. the end of the day, it really yeah. is about algorithms, your ability to store data, and your ability at what speed you can manage that data. And clearly, as the world of IT evolves, and as there's new hardware, there's faster hardware, better memory drives, more algorithms, uh, that will just continue to evolve. And I'm certain that in five years' time, it won't be called AI. There will be another words they will use because AI will run out of steam. So they will just, you know, we've gone from algorithms to AI and then we'll move on to another word. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, it's all algorithms, you know, the storage of data and at the speed that we can access and and uh, digest all this data. Yeah, I take your point. And I think understatement is that AI is a bit of a harp word. Zach Lister, CEO of Carew, appreciate the time. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Donovan Enslin. He's a used vehicle manager for Colston Motor Group. Donovan, appreciate the time today. Focusing on used vehicles, we've got a consumer under pressure, petrol prices, expensive cars, but also we've seen a lot of you know, inflation and in interest rates and the like. Are we seeing an increased demand in used cars at this point? 
Well, firstly, thank you for having me. I think, yes, we're definitely seeing an increase within our business for used car sales. I think this is because consumers are facing enormous financial pressure and are forced to buy more economical vehicles. And quality and range. I mean, if I think way back in the day, you know, used vehicle used to be dodgy. They weren't always the greatest. My sense is these days, cars are built tougher. Yeah, absolutely. I think the market is very competitive. So manufacturers are delivering better value on aftermarket offerings in terms of warranty, service, maintenance plans and the like. This has improved the nature of the used car business. It's actually been a game changer. Consumers can now buy vehicles which still have warranty, service plans, and maintenance plans available. So the dodgy perception of used cars, I think, is a thing of the past. Okay, that was one of the questions we're going to come to in a bit. I mean, service plans used to be the domain of a new car off the lot, but that's no longer the case anymore. Well, I think when it comes to service plans, it depends on the vehicle's year model. Many mm-hmm. vehicles that you will buy would still have a manufacturer's warranty and service plans. I think if the vehicle is beyond the manufacturer's coverage, extended warranties, service plans, and things like that can be added at the point of sale, offering budget-friendly options. I am an advocate for having an extended warranty and service plan, as they prove valuable when you need them the most. I think another benefit of this is consumers are able to add these costs to the vehicle financing, which then significantly assists them with a payment. So instead of having one hefty amount, they can pay off this security monthly. Gotcha, gotcha. Supply into the used car market, I mean, is it still mostly from individuals or is it a lot of corporate fleets and perhaps even the rental market? So I think availability in the market is a combination of all three of those factors. I don't think there is one standout among them personally. Personally, when I am selecting vehicles for my branches, I consider a combination of all three of the options. I do include demo units into the inventory. Of course, demo is one, yeah. Ultimately, the decision will obviously hinge on the quality of the vehicle and the adherence to our group standards. Popular models and shapes, because, I mean, obviously some models are more desirable. I mean, I think about Toyota, I think about Hilux is hugely desirable. Do we see sort of popular models coming through in the used car as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's challenging to pinpoint a single standout brand at the moment. I think utility plays a crucial role. The traditional European manufacturers have consistently excelled with small hatchbacks and crossovers. South Africa's favorite Bucky brands have also stepped up their game, bringing in new state-of-the-art features and comfort to the segment of the market. We have seen an increase in demand for SUVs and crossover SUVs, should I say, and SUVs in general. As consumers face, obviously, potholes and <laughs> the condition of our roads, so ground clearance becomes a factor. And, and what about pricing? I mean, one thing, I mean, cars have got expensive. Everything's got expensive. Cars there as well. Do we see really good deals in the used car space? Because that certainly used to be one of the attractions in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think beyond appealing pricing, when you're looking at a used car, the vehicles may already come equipped with desirable extras which are obviously already included in the selling price. So I'm seeing some really good quality SUVs and crossover SUVs priced really well between two and 300,000 Rand. And they're still within warranty. So consumers can definitely get bang for their buck if they shop smart, do their homework, and buy from a trusted and established business. Yeah, okay, those are good prices. Last question. We've had a bunch of new Chinese entrants into the local new car market. Those cars must now be flowing through into the used car market. How are they holding up? Are we seeing demand for these Chinese entrants? So I think Chinese brands have done well with competitive pricing and for good reason. They come back with tech features, comfort, and obviously they are well-priced. They are also easy on the eye, but they do have good competition in other up-and-coming brands which are improving their product and developing their aftermarket offerings. All in all, the competitiveness will improve the used car market in years to come and the consumer will be able to realize this value. Existing brands who don't want to lose market share are improving their offerings to remain competitive. Yeah, I take your point on that. The Chinese mean those who are already here need to do more, perhaps, to stay relevant. We'll leave it there. That's Donovan Eslin, used vehicle manager, Colston Motor Group. Appreciate the time.
That's our question today, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Used cars, have you bought a used car? Are you one of those folks who say, no, no, I want a new car, I want that new car smell, which of course you could buy in a tin can and spray every day. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. That's it for today. We're chatting with Nikunzi yesterday, Sunlum Private Wealth. Uh, U.S. indices all closed at all-time highs, most of them. Russell 2000, not so much. Still technically in a bear market. We asked you if you were bullish on U.S. stocks for 2024, and it was pretty much an even split between the three options. Uh, third round of you saying, yes, loving it. Another third more or less saying bits, but not all. And the remaining third saying no. Lots of worry out there. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWare website, the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, MPC. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.